Secret Friends Unite! Welcome to the Secret Friends Unite podcast, episode 362. This is your guide to the geek side, and I am one of your hosts, Todd Oxtra from beautiful Savage, Minnesota, joined by Charlie Carden. Katie's trying to steal my purple rain. Stop it. When doves cry. <laughs> We're having too much fun. What's going on, everybody? <laughs> also joined by... Katie Quinn person. How are you? I'm good. I'm just over here antagonizing Charlie right off I, the bat. I'm not, I haven't even had anything to drink tonight. I'm lying. This is vodka. Yes, Charlie and his <laughs> Charlie and his trucker container. Um, this is this is a, this is a hydro jug from the good folks at Beachbody. Hydro jug. Yes, yes. Very, very good. Well, you're going to be the first man, I think, that goes into a water coma. I'm just calling it out now. Um, so please be careful with that. Um, anything can kill you, by the way, folks. And by speaking of which, anything that can kill you, uh, when you bring semi-automatic or automatic weapons to Asgard, bad Ooh, things happen. That's now, bad news. And that happened in the Mighty Thor number 362. Uh, as you'll be watching on the podcast and the video form, you'll see this cover. Uh, essentially, you are getting kind of some pieces of what we saw in Thor Ragnarok right. in this comic and vice versa. Uh, so we've got um, basically an invasion at Asgard. You've got uh, Thor using his goat patrol, which I yes. think is awesome. I truly the want the goat patrols to show up in Thor once. Uh, Thor 362, December 1985, Walter Simonson, one of my favorite uh, writers, artist combination in the world. Um, and basically, Scourge is going crazy. He's having a good time. And obviously, we saw Carl Urban play Scourge in right. Ragnarok. He, he said he got the guns from Texas, which I loved. <laughs> well, that those, was those, awesome. are, those are his friends, Dez and Troy. Oh. Together they destroy. <laughs> wow! What, what a clever turn of phrase. <laughs> yeah, hey, so he never claimed Scourge was the brightest bulb. <laughs> no, he was not. He was an odd man. Uh, basically, uh, yeah, it was a little bit weird. I mean, it was an interesting one because basically they were trying to get out of hell uh, with Hella. So it was one of those things. Scourge got these guns. So I'm glad that made it into. Um, Ragnarok and basically taking elements of the comics and putting them in is the greatest way to really please the fanboys like myself and also make a very fun moment because nobody expected uh, M16s in Asgard. Pow! Bang, bang, bang! Shot my baby down. Oh, but one person, and, and this is great because we're getting a little double play off of this. We're not only going to, uh, we're going to hop in that Uber. We're going to get down to the corner of Hollywood and find to talk to our senior news correspondent, Madam Webb. But she's almost going to steal the show. I just, I can't wait. Todd, let's go. Now it's time for Madam Webb's rumors and news. Take it away, boys. Thank you, Madam Webb. Oh, my goodness. Yes, it is a banner day for Secret Friends Unite. Um, not only does Madam Webb grace us with her appearance as well, um, but also that's our first news story. Apparently her blackmail officially paid off. Nice. Um, she has got something against the execs at Sony Studios, and she is getting her own movie. 
Todd, you, uh, your, your endorsement of the Sci-Fi Wire website uh, has now run into its first road bump because when I bring the story up, it's blocked out. It says I have to create a profile to read it. But the good news is that I can freestyle the details because I know them. <laughs> so uh, um, this is being portrayed by – okay, back to you. I don't have the story okay. in front of me. The link came up fine for me, but oh well. Um, a, basically, Sony Pictures is looking to build out the cinematic universe with all the Spider-Man characters. We could call it – I think I don't even remember what it's called anymore. not going to bring up that acronym. Don't do the it, Charlie. Sony no. Cinematic Universe of Spider. But no, okay, it's the 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 Sakasumen. There you go. There you go. Sakasumen <laughs> called Spumco. Oh well, uh, Dakota Dakota Johnson is going to. There we go. Fifty, sh- 50 um, Shades of Web. <laughs> I like how Taz just looking like. Are you done? <laughs> Now I'm done. Can I get a word in? <laughs> oh, 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 you want to talk. But go ahead. People can only hear one people at a time. Oh, so we'll start there. Dakota Johnson will reportedly star as Sony's big screen incarnation of the character. Uh, she's been around for uh, with Marvel Comics for decades. But I think most people still know her best from the Spider-Man animated series in the 90s. Yes. Huge oh, yeah. presence of that. That's what most people know her from. So there you go. Um, her real name is Cassandra Webb. And uh, essentially, she was created by Denny O'Neill and John Romita Jr. So there we go. Um, with this, uh, the fact that Madam Webb has almost always been portrayed as an older woman is now going to be portrayed by a younger woman, which is interesting. Unless Dakota Johnson is, it's the origin story and it's a 50-year tale to become an old woman. I don't know. Um, so based on this, um, we had heard rumors. What do you think? And is Madam Webb the right character rather than, I mean, Dakota Johnson? I don't know if Madam Webb blessed this casting or not, but we don't know. Uh, it may, you know, and again, this is, you know, like you said, it's from the Denny, was it, was it Denny O'Neill? Denny O'Neill and John uh, Jr. Jr. from the early eighties, um, which, you know, she was like, she was an old lady. She was, you know, basically Aunt May's bridge partner is basically the vibe I got. Um, so to cast her as the, you know, sexy star of the 50 shades of gray franchise, doesn't click with me, but again, the character has different incarnations, you know, the, uh, the Spider Woman of from Secret Wars, also from the 1980s, went on to be an Avenger. Eventually, is now called Madam Web because she had some of these uh, kind of psychic abilities and changed character around. So, I just, you know, for the tra- you know, the traditional aspect of the character, I I, I don't know. I, I I don't know that this really fits the bill. But then again, you know what? You know, how do you look to cast a you know a, a a geriatric actress as the lead in the film. That's the first film in the series. I, I just, I don't know. Geriatric actor or actor, I should say. I mean, Tom Cruise still get, keeps getting parts. So what do I know? So Katie, at this point, based on the ramblings of myself and Charlie uh, and this article, what's your take? Um, I really do hope that it's an origin story and that this isn't just like the new Madam Web um, because if I remember correctly, she was in the animated Spider-Man TV show that was from like the late 90s. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. And that was really like my first and only introduction with her. And I thought she was a really cool character. So I was really excited when I heard that Madame Web might be coming. And then when I saw how they're casting her, I was like, that feels like just kind of blatant misogyny at that point. Because you're like, oh, well, we can't have like 
an older actor playing this character. So we need to get someone like hot and new for it. Um, Cause you know, they've, like you said, they cast Tom Cruise for stuff all the time. <laughs> Zing. Of older, you know, male actors who play this kind of stuff. So I'm hoping that they just don't age her down and that it's actually like an origin story. And then we will get to her like current incarnation that we know of. Fair, fair, fair. I don't know. I, I just, I don't know. I, I, I don't yeah. know which direction they're going to go in. So it's, mm-hmm. it's even really hard to, have a rock solid opinion about this one, but yeah, it's, it is, it, it is interesting. I mean, with anything you want the franchise, you want someone who could play the role for a long time casting right. an older actor of anybody's and she's looks to be in her seventies. So trying to pick somebody in their seventies will can still play at that level for multiple years, multiple movies. That's a challenge. You know, you've got Harrison Ford right now, you know, can he continue to play Nina Jones? In the next movie, it's it's a, it's going to be a challenge. Um, I don't know. Like we said, I don't think because the character is well known at all, she doesn't have a large presence. She's kind of a black hole in a lot of sense for Charlie, which tell me he's a big Spider-Man fan in the world. Um, essentially, I think she's a character you could do whatever she want you want with, and nobody's really going to complain to a large extent. So it's kind of like the Spider Verse has pulled in multiple versions of Spider-Man. Uh, this could be pulling in a version of Madam Web we've never seen before. So it could do many things. Very true. And it's funny you should say, you know, an actor who can hold a franchise. When uh, Jack, the Jack Reacher films came out a number of years back. And again, I one of the things that I saw this week was the Jack Reacher that had Alan Richardson, uh, Richardson. And that's the guy who he was in uh, Titans. He was in he was Aquaman. Yeah. yeah, he was uh, Aquaman back in Smallville. He was awesome. But again, those films had Tom Cruise in it. It was funny when those came out. My mother, of all people, said, well, it's really weird they pick somebody so old to launch a franchise. He just doesn't see how they could sustain it. And I'm like, damn, that was really insightful. But she's absolutely right. So you're right. I, this could be a, a twist coming somewhere that we just we just don't know what they're thinking about. So it could be interesting. I mean, they cast Queen Latifah to be the equalizer. I mean, you can do anything these days. Um, yeah, uh, so we'll see what happens. And this is so many years ago, we were supposed to get a, uh, a Silver Sable Black Cat film. So right. they keep changing the game. So with Sony, you never know what will happen. Um, at this point, though, we have something else happening, which makes me very excited. And I don't know if either of you two will care, um, but that is the fact that one of my favorite authors in the world um, – Raymond Feast, who is actually I interviewed for this podcast many, many years ago, um, a fantastic writer, very prolific, was a was a was a, um, a lawyer and then decided to get into fiction. He has appeared to George R. R. Martin and he actually established a fantasy series called The Rift War long before George R. R. Martin. And I think it's one of the best science, uh, fantasy series of all time. I love it. It's fantastic. Great characters did lots of different things with different storylines. Um, it's, it still exists. Um, I think there's 30 books in the series. It's fantastic. They said it's one of the last great fantasy series that has not been seen or adapted to any other medium, except for comics. So now it's getting picked up. And it's funny because he's very open talking with his fans on Facebook and other things like that. And everyone always asks him, when the series going to be? When is the series going to be on something? And essentially, I could tell he wasn't allowed to say anything because he didn't want anything to get ruined. He didn't want anybody to influence the casting or things like that, which he says you can't do. You can't give me any ideas because I could put those in my story and you could sue me or the casting people could be sued. So he's but we're getting this now. This is going to be really cool. Uh, there's a, 
a new production company called Six Studios, um, and they're going to look to adapt the Rift, War, the Rift War universe. The series has sold 20 million copies globally, uh, debuted in 1982. Um, I actually started the series because it was they had a video game that came out on PC when I was in college. I didn't. I had never heard of the series. An actual video game got me to read a book, which is kind of crazy, and I loved it to pieces. Um, a book? What? Yeah, and it's got a what pretty good. Things? Yeah, I know. Who they, knows? They, they, I mean, they, they they must have back then, back in the old days. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, it's a pretty standard fantasy trope of a world, but they get invaded by essentially aliens from another dimension, which is kind of a different take. These rifts appear, and that's where they come in and invade a, 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 the, the planet, and it's really cool, and there's some key characters that just continue throughout. It's very fun, very cool, uh, but the, the the people that behind this, I mean, they've got some pretty good, uh, I guess you'd call it uh, credits from their past. Uh, they're doing, they're from the Obi-Wan Kenobi series, Fear the Walking Dead, Unbreakable, Kimmy Schmidt, which is interesting because it's a little comedic. Soul, Rogue One, Solo, Grandmaster, a few other things as well. Now, if this actually happens, I will be very happy. It'll make me excited. I don't know if it will. So, um, as any as any announcements like this ever broken your heart? Like it's coming out and it dies. So, is like there any personal? You know, you know what? There was never. This is going to be so obscure. In the late nineties. Cuba Gooding Jr. as Otis Redding was rumored never happened. I, huge fan of the R&B music, huge fan of soul music, would have loved to have seen that. Nothing. But it's the only one that I can think of that was a huge disappointment to me personally. I'm sure there's probably one that has happened that I've been disappointed about, but I don't remember it. <laughs> The, the disappointment that didn't linger. <laughs> I remember many, many stories in Wizard Magazine when there was no internet. And <laughs> right. They would talk about this rumblings in Hollywood that this is going to happen. And they would always, you know, talk about who they would cast it. And it was solely based on who looked like who versus actual right. talents and capabilities. Right. So there was always wrestlers involved because oh, of the God. people at the time. <laughs> right. Exactly. Oh, it's the ultimate dynamo. So, Todd, I, I've certainly, because we share the Secret Friends Unite e email box, I've seen the exchanges between you and your little group of friends about this. So I admire the passion. Still don't know anything about it. Still not my jam. But you know what? You love this, I can tell. And that's that's meaningful to me. So good for you. Yeah. Fingers crossed. That you're excited. Yes, precisely. Thank you. I appreciate that. Yeah, and, and you know what? Um, there's something for everybody always new, like we got the Wheel of Time series I'd never read. It's out now, which is pretty cool. And, and there's just more and more coming every day, which is fantastic that we're getting more fantasy. And that's the big part. Fantasy has been so hard to pull off in a good, meaningful way. Sci-fi is a little easier to do because it's like, oh, we're in space. But dragons and magic, even though sometimes science fiction feels like, dragons and magic or aliens and right. magic so it's just one of those things that it's hard to get right but we have more and more uh, yeah, versions right. of things that are being done well but something else that's being done in different uh fashions some things are old that's new again is that the new fantastic four is coming really yes. i'm very excited yes. no i love this this was um Golly, early 90s, 91, 92. Uh, it was, I heard somebody else talk about this recently. So it was the Skrulls, of course, which the Skrulls are relevant in, in the MCU right now, kidnapped the Fantastic Four and somebody had to rescue them. So much like, you know, at the end of the Evolutionary War, uh, crossover arc in the in the in the 80s, uh, the, a computer called four people together to form a team. And it was it was Gray Hulk at the time, uh, Wolverine. 
uh, Spidey and the Ghost Rider. And they were the new Fantastic Four for like three issues. And they actually produced uh, a trade paperback of it, which I probably still have on my shelf. I loved it, Todd. That was your boy Simonson, wasn't it? Or Art Adams or both? It was at the time Art Adams. Yes. There you uh, go. Uh, Fantastic Four 347. Yes, yeah. So yeah, it was like a three issue arc, and yeah, I, 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 oh, sorry, I was wrong. Peter David was the writer. Alan Robinson was Alan. the uh, uh, artist, but I think uh, Simon or Adams. Did Adams, the yeah, there you go. The covers. That's and that's that's what I lock onto because I can see an image. You know, the four of them jumping. Um, so that's that's sweet. Um, so yeah, I assume this is a little five parter kind of mini series. It's going to be oh, just announced. Is going to come out. It's a mini series in May. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I dig it. So you know, we're the, and again, great art. Oh yeah, God, great art. That's evocative because at the time you had the thing was leading the team, or this was kind of close to the end of that era. But you had um, Sharon, not Sharon, uh, Sharon Ventura, who was Ms. Marvel at the time that turned it. She was a she thing because she and Ben Grimm. We're in a rocket and flew through the same cosmic rays. And when they came back, he was a spiky thing. And she, who was just a normal human woman with superhuman strength, had turned into a she thing. And then they had a romance. Don't know how that worked, but thank God they didn't show it. Thank you, Comics Code. Apparently, the anatomy is all compatible. <laughs> yes, I guess. So So I, I, I'm interested. And again, Todd and I are both not really monthly comic book readers. We do have, of course, the um, the Marvel Unlimited um, but I, you know, my problem is I tend to forget about stuff like this. So I might actually have to purchase it in order to read it or I'll never know it existed until I get that email that says your subscription has arrived. So we'll see. But anyway, I remember really digging this back in the day and the fantastic four of the, the monthly comics that I did read quasi recently. FF was probably my favorite is the one I followed most closely. So next to Spider-Man, of course. So this looks great. Yes, and then we've got another announcement of a new comic, which is very different. It's the fact that the MCU is actually invading Marvel Comics proper, and we are getting a Captain Carter miniseries with Jamie McKelvey. Uh, he's going to be behind this as the writer, and Marika Cresta going to be the artist. Uh, this is a pretty cool, it's from the What If series, obviously we've got with uh, Disney+, Plus, and this is going to be interesting because this character has never appeared in Marvel Comics before. So very, very cool. So, uh, Katie, um, what's your thoughts? I like how you're just like, we know, we know Katie likes Carter. Less, less. Give, give it to the woman. <laughs> give it to the woman. There we go. Take it away. <laughs> <laughs> I am excited. I love, I love Peggy Carter just as Agent Peggy Carter. I love Carter as um, Captain Carter. So I am 100% on board with this. I'm super, super stoked. I am going to be reading it as soon as it comes out. And yes, just all, all things excited. Please give me give me more Captain Carter as much as I can. <laughs> lay that money down. So good. So of the th- of the three of us, you can be the one who actually you know pays for it and makes the machine go. Oh well, I mean, I'm going to read it on Marvel Unlimited, but I'll definitely get oh. a description to read it. But like, I love that. Uh, like one of the covers has her with Black Widow, and I loved their dynamic mm-hmm. in the um, in the series in the What If episodes. So I'm glad that they're bringing that friendship and you know kind of duality back. So. Um, I'm I'm very excited. 
And you can I, be excited that I'm excited. <laughs> I, abs- absolutely. Yeah, no, this 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 is a good jam. I will definitely check this out. I have been, long tried to uh, get April looped into reading comics. I've been somewhat successful when Squirrel Girl had a title because that's her favorite character, but she loves uh, Captain Carter as well. So I will. I probably are because this story is from a couple of weeks ago. Um, and this issue comes out next next month, basically a month mm-hmm. from now. So, uh Yeah. We, I, I have no doubt I'll be able to loop her in for at least one issue, so we'll see. The, the cool part about this one is pretty neat, because they're teaming up with um, Agent Braddock uh, from Strat, oh. which is not a, 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 an agency I'm as familiar with, so that's the purple-haired person you see in one of the covers. Well, Str- uh, uh, yeah. uh, Strike was in the uh, Winter Soldier movie. That was um, that was Cap's team that uh, Rumlow was the head of in, in the Winter Soldier film. They were just called the Strike okay. Team, so it could be. Okay. Got it. And and this is actually going to engage more of the Marvel UK side, which is kind of cool because oh, nice. uh, uh, Betsy Braddock, uh, she essentially is Psylocke. Yeah, there she you go. Is, she is the sister of Captain Britain and Excalibur, that part of thing. So there's a, a huge group of Marvel UK characters. So I like the fact that they're going to go that side because I like the fact that she is British and they're going to embrace that versus, oh, just hang out with all the people in, in the US. So I like that. And I think that's how they're going to have to do it because obviously they're not going to continue the what if series in the MCU because that will be on Disney Plus. So they're going to do different stories here, which is the whole purpose of what if. If you just do only one story with what if, it's kind of defeats the purpose. So you could do many cool things. So there you go. That's a five part series. And as you said, it's coming out. And if you want to wait till Marvel Unlimited, it's three months later. So hold yourself, Tiny Dancer. It's coming. I like it. Hold me closer, Tony Danza. It will be done. Yes. So that is it. For the news with Madam Web. And now it's time for us to hop in a car, get over to our favorite establishment for drinks, and that's the Geek Easy. Talk nerdy to me. Talk nerdy to me. We're sitting in the Geek Easy, drinks are poured, and we are ready to get our nerd on this week. So, Miss Katie, please tell us about what you've been geeking out about. Oh, um, I have been continuing my run on the 2019 Captain Carter, not Captain Carter. We were just talking Whoops. about Captain Gotcha. Marvel gotcha. Series. You got me. You got me good. Um, so, and I think I've mentioned it before. Last time we were doing it, I had started reading it and then I kind of took a break and now I'm going back to it. And it's just as enjoyable as it was, as I remember. So <laughs> that's a, no. the uh, K- Kelly Sue DeConnick run, isn't it? I'm um, Kelly Thompson. Well, she's. Oh, okay. I got my I, I cross pollinated my Kellys. My well, bad. I think Kellys. I mean, there's been multiple Captain Marvel series now. I mean, I don't know how many there they've had because Marvel does this thing now where it's like, oh, we're done with twelve issues. Let's cancel it and start with another number one. It's like it's so hard to keep up. Um, yeah, but it's volume volume forty seven. Mm-hmm. Essentially. So, what's the special thing about this specific run? Um, well, I mean, I really like Kelly Thompson in general. I feel like she does a really great job just getting the feel of the characters where they feel they feel fully fleshed out. And so, like, um, Captain Marvel's relationship with, uh, like, Spider-Woman is very, um, like, very dynamic. There's a lot of fun nuances. I think she did a really great job in the first section of the piece. And that's kind of what got me into it was I was reading it and I read through the first arc and there was a really great dynamic between Rogue and Captain Marvel as they were kind of fighting. Um, and they kind of address the history between those two characters. And there's a lot of 
kind of underlying themes of like consent and like pain and how to move past and that sort of stuff. So I thought it was just really, really good that way and just kind of kept me going. Yeah, that was a cool part of that series where it was, I think, I forgot what Marvel Avengers um, annual happened. That's where it all came to be. And that's where Rogue is. We got to know her as her oh. form, which is, you know, super yeah. powerful, all of those things where previously she could just absorb powers right. for a short period of time. So yes, that yeah. was Captain Marvel and took her powers permanently. Well, yes, that was uh, Avengers annual number 10, by the way. I'm just I'm good with I'm good with remembering numbers. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Rogue is one of those characters that had one of the most unique runs because she was introduced as one of the uh, Brotherhood of Evil Mutants and who her mother was, all those the crazy stuff. But yeah, they always had a unique relationship. And it was always cool that, you know, you could point to the fact that Captain Marvel just never really got her fair share for like decades. And then she finally was able to come back right. as a as a mainstream character now. The show. Very cool. Well, I will go with something that we can all talk about, and that's the Book of Mandalorian, Episode 6. Yes, so it. clever, Todd. Oh, my God. Somebody so get a copyright on that, because I think nobody else has, as you said, expression. It's it's really good. good. Absolutely. That's all I do is take fresh takes, you know. A fresh take, the freshest. Almost. Yes, yes. Freshest. So, so, yes, we are on Episode 6, one episode left of the Book of Boba Fett. Essentially, the last two episodes have had, like, Two seconds of Boba Fett. And oh, no. So we've got to know. Zero Boba, with the exception of the uh, previously on in episode five. No Boba. And six, just, we got him. It was six. Yeah. Acknowledged the Mandalorian in, showing up. Yeah. No, in, in six, he was he was having, you know, he was having a, uh, a, a team meeting at the end, yes. you know. And uh, yeah, I am. Um, man. DeLorean. <laughs> <laughs> I am, um, you know, Mark and I talked about this extensively, uh, obviously on uh, on Holocron, which uh, which dropped uh, last week, and we'll be wrapping up these final two episodes in our next recording. But um, it's a mixed bag because while it was a, a great episode, full of a lot of great Star Warsy kind of stuff, and you know, a, a great feature with Luke Skywalker, my all time favorite Star Wars character, it just there's two sides to the coin for me. A they're telling a great story that integrates with the overall patchwork of everything, which includes the Mandalorian, and it includes Luke Skywalker and Ahsoka Tano, who we get to see, and obviously focused around Grogu. Um, that's the that's one side of the coin. The B side of the coin is, is that it totally trashes the concept of this being Boba Fett show for two episodes for two episodes in a row, um, and that really and I said this talking about episode five that really bumps me out. You know what I mean? It really bums me out because what you're saying is, is that Boba Fett, they've named a show after him. They gave us four episodes when he was trying to do something. And it was not that it was decided mid turn because obviously this was all scripted out and filmed. But by the time they get to episode five, they're like, uh, well, we don't really give a shit about Boba Fett, but everybody loves the Mandalorian. and Everybody wants to see Baby Yoda. Grogu, Luke, they want to see that story continue. So let's just shove, uh, you know, let's just put Boba Fett right, right, right in the back of the bus uh, and keep driving uh, with Mando. And then by the time it's done, we'll get around to episode seven, which is going to be the big blowout um, of, of the big shootout. So I, I, I'm elated and bummed out all at the same time because I'd love to see what happened in the Mandalorian. I'm an enormous fan. I've watched the show over and over again. I'm, you know, I, you know, know all the little corners of that and, and have watched all the background videos and stuff. So I, I, I love it a ton, but why give Boba a show if you're not going to give Boba a show? 
you know, where they've spent a third of it or a quarter of it, maybe um, focusing completely on other characters to the point that you've totally pushed them out of the screen altogether. I, I just don't get it. This may be a hot take that may people, many people will, will, will hate for me. Not every character is a good character. Not every character deserves a series. Not every character that we've seen that looks cool has depth or are interesting. They've tried to do that. Um, but once but, again, the character, the character's journey right. in this has been pretty lame because he's kind of felt one note. I'm respectable and like, I just need a family now. I'm like, okay, that's great and all, but, um, it's, it's kind of like, I always feel like this giving characters origin. Sometimes is the worst thing you can do because ultimately mm -hmm. it, 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 like Wolverine, I never needed his origin. He showed up as he was and I didn't need every bit of his past revealed because ultimately it didn't make him better. Ultimately, it kind of made me dislike certain parts. I'm like, oh, that's kind of less interesting. It's kind of well, like Anakin. I it's got same, exactly, Anakin, yeah. I, I mean, I, I like Darth Vader when we didn't have to know everything. Now we've got to right. know his backstory and how many horrible things he did on the way to even knowing who he was. I mean, right. he's a child murderer. He's mm -hmm. killed many, many people. And like, so I just, a lot of times it's like, and Star Wars is obsessed with filling in all the gaps and everybody has a story and they have to tell it. And that's right. why... And I will continue to get characters from the Clone Wars and mm -hmm. Rebels show mm -hmm. up and will continue to say, well, we don't have any stories to tell in the future. So let's not do with that, because Filoni apparently is obsessed with bringing all of his characters, no matter He's how old they are, how yeah. ridiculous that it is that they are showing in to coming in. We're going to get Omega because people's got to have it. I'm like, yeah, great. But ultimately, if you're not watching the Bad Batch, which I would say a small percent of people are watching the Bad Batch. In, I mean, it it, it, so. it, got, it it got a second season, so the percentage can't be that small. I think Filoni gets a pass. They, Disney Plus hasn't canceled anything yet. Charlie, come on. Let's, that, let's that's true. I, 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 I watched the Bad Batch. I really liked it. I, I, I watched it, you know, because much like uh, like Katie was uh, saying on Code 47 early today, she was, you know, contractually obligated to watch Prodigy because of the show. I was kind of in the same spot with the Bad Batch. And our friend John watched it recently and he was like, it was 50-50 for me, but the bad the bad 50% was insufferable. For him, again, it's someone's opinion. I have to agree with Todd, which is rare uh, on something. I think the current run of the Marvel Star Wars Marvel comics is insufferable because they're trying to squeeze what I feel like is going to be three or four years worth of stories out of the six month period between Empire Strikes Back and Return of the Jedi, and they've taken you know the the Odyssey of Han Solo in a carbon blight block going from Cloud City to uh, Tatooine with Boba Fett and being delivered job into this massive crossover of the war of the bounty hunters and all that. It's just like, just stop. I'm this, yes. this I can get with Todd about just stop, just stop, jump it, jump it forward or jump it backwards. But just for now, for right now, just leave it alone. Please leave it alone. Well, and, I mean, and I really do. Oh, go ahead, Kitty. I was gonna say, I just feel like we've, we've talked about this before of, when we were watching the first couple episodes and it just felt like they weren't developing the character to begin with. Like he, like you were saying, Todd, like he came out of the Sarlacc pit. He was already reformed and just wanting to settle down, get his family, you know, have his little piece of Moss Eisley and just go on from there. And there was nothing like he had already had his redemption arc without us actually seeing his redemption arc. So I didn't understand why they were doing the story. And so when they actually ended up filming two episodes with Mando, 
that just shows me that they didn't know what to do with him in the first place. That's where I throw my hands up. Because, again, it's such a double-edged sword. I love episodes five and six. Mm -hmm. I love seeing Mando do his thing. I love – but it's like – what the hell is this happening for? Mando's going to get a season three. That should have been episodes one and two of season well, three. We're probably going to get Master Chief now that we saw that there's a Halo ring. So right, exactly. Yeah, you can't believe he didn't. You know, <laughs> he, he didn't bump sh bump shoulders with him. And, and let me tell you, that is one of the coolest parts I've seen in Star Wars in a long time. That right. didn't look like generic. Like we have, we 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 aren't creative anymore. We're just going to go back to Tatooine. Do something like that? We've never seen in Star Wars. And I'm like, give us more things we haven't seen before that right. blow our minds. So this is science fiction. This is not science sitting in in Montana. It looks like Montana again. I mean, like where they went with the the, the Jedi planet where we were at in this episode. It was kind of generic forest place well, yeah, i mean they you know they filmed it in you know in the redwoods or something you know like they did endor back in 82 I'm, I'm saying that's fine i'm just saying use your imagination show some things that show us this is different worlds we, right. we got some robots that were robots but i'm just saying come on star right. wars show us you are doing some something unique because i feel like with star wars it's the least creative science fiction we ultimately get out of so many more ideas that are just like blowing people's minds. So it's like, right. I just like them to try a little harder. And I feel like, and, and I do, I mean, I'm not going to trash the whole episode because I did enjoy seeing those characters again. But once again, the whole point, this is the book of Boba Fett. Mm -hmm. And apparently yes, they decided exactly. that this, this story arc was not that interesting that we couldn't maintain people's interest. Most people were just not that excited about the main plot. Kind of mm -hmm. got tired of all the flashbacks and the things when you're half flashback, half main uh, story, right. arc, which people aren't loving that much. Mm -hmm. um, it's kind of weird that they did this. And then we've got one episode, once again, that these series keep doing this. We've got one episode to wrap up everything. Right, exactly. And it's only going to be 45 minutes and it's going to feel rushed and underdeveloped. And then it's like, what's next for Boba Fett? Is he going to get killed? I don't know. But it's a little it's a little lukewarm for me. Haha. Because -ha. Oh, yes, absolutely. But, you know, he, he did uh, – I will give them credit. Uh, whatever it is that they did differently uh, featuring, you know, D.H. Mark Hamill looked a lot more plausible to me than, than what we saw at the end of Mando Season 2. Oh, well, that would be it. And, yeah, I feel like the reason why they brought Luke in was just to kind of make amends for the fact that he looked so bad at the beginning <laughs> of – or at the end of Mando. Right. And because then I felt like the entire scene, again, was just kind of filler, like these two episodes were filler, where he was there, he was training Gogo, which was interesting. But it, it, like you were saying, Todd, it just feels like they, Star Wars has to show you and tell you everything. So there's never any mystery. So instead of having it where you see like these little silhouettes of like Grogu and Luke from a distance, and you can see that they're working, you can see that. And then Ahsoka and Mando have this great conversation about how like you probably shouldn't see him, like he needs to be able to move on. And, you know, you, they're over there doing their thing. This this is a separate thing now. And then he leaves. It's like, no, we're going to have you go through this entire thing and show you this entire weird thing of having like a little puppet trying to walk next to Luke, which is awkward. <laughs> <laughs> CG Luke, puppet Yoda. And it's... it's it Flipping felt, him. Yeah, it, it was so... It felt so forced. Like it was just so much fan service and it, I couldn't get into it because of that. That is a lot of star Wars these days. A lot of things are yeah. forced. Uh, yeah. People need to see every detail. Um, no pun intended. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> it, it's going to be interesting because I thought Grogu's tale was over. 
and we would see him in the fu- long in the future, maybe with someone else, or he would show up again. Right. Right. I hope he just doesn't go back because I think that story was told in a very mm-hmm. way, a good way, and we had that cliffhanger of this one: which path will you choose? And uh, he's not going to get old overnight, like Teen Groot or something like that. He is going <laughs> to be a little little one. That mm-hmm. that's fine, but I just don't know if we want more of that and the fact that he's not going to get of age until another fifty or sixty years. So. The cute factor gets a little old after a while, but I mean, I, I kind of liked where the Mandalorian ended. I like this. I like seeing more Luke. I know that's probably unpopular, but the fact is we got nothing of Luke for like almost 30 years. So the fact mm-hmm. that, you know, I like that. I like that's great. I would love to see a Leia and Han show up, as I've talked about before, in maybe another format. Uh, whoever plays them, I'm fine with that. It's okay. We can embrace it. James Bond has been played by other characters than Sean Connery. It right. moves on. Life can move yeah. on. I was thinking, I was um, yeah. that they're working with like prosthetics and just having an actor that looks similar to that person and working with that mm-hmm. instead of them trying to do the weird CG thing because it never really lines up right with a mouth or there's always weird lighting and right. Yeah, and it's just not great acting per se. I mean, yeah, and right. for Luke, it's made the rounds. Oh, Sebastian Stan, who's Bucky in the MCU, would be a great fit, and blah blah. And I totally agree. Okay. Totally agree. So I it would you, be. I, I don't think you get a named actor though. I think you get an unknown because I think it is distracting. It's Bucky playing Luke. It's just right. to me that's just too much. Right, right. Yeah. Well, and the way they like, got just like her daughter, just like her daughter playing Carrie Fisher's daughter playing. You no, know, because yeah, I don't see I don't see anything about them that's the same. Like right. their personalities, right. well, the, they're they're yeah. The guy who played Han in the uh, in the yeah, movie, right. he did a great all, job. I agree. Yeah, all the, yeah, Alden Ehrenreich. People have floated like Millie Bobby Brown, but then again, it's the same mm-hmm. as Leia. But it's then it's the same thing. So yeah, you're right. It would be a creative process to get an unknown or whatever it is. Mm-hmm. And anyway, way outside, way, way outside inside baseball. So yeah, yeah uh, but ultimately, yeah. it's it, to to me, it was a bummer. Yeah, it was great, but it was very bittersweet. Um, I, I really enjoy the fact that we got an appearance by Cad Bane. That was pretty cool. Oh, he yeah. looked Hell yeah. good and yes. neat. And I, I know this is going to sound sacrilegious, but I think he's one of the best Star Wars characters we've had emerge. He's a villain that doesn't get kicked off, killed off like right away. He looks cool, right. is, is interesting, um, plays a little bit of both sides. And he and Boba Fett, I know, have a, have a, a past, right. um, which is interesting to bring them back. But it seems like a lot of people that Boba has a past with, he doesn't remember it, so I don't yeah. know why. <laughs> uh, he conveniently gets his memory wiped like the droids. I don't know. Yeah, like he, he doesn't remember his armor was stolen by Jawas. He doesn't remember who Black Castranton right. is, even though they're in the comics together and buddies. Right. So, yeah, it's a little inconsistent. So, I mean, we'll see where this goes. Um, but he once again, we have... brim, though? That was my only Oh, question. and people said his nose wasn't big. Yeah. Well, no, he also, his hat should have been way bigger. And his skin was more faded, but some people said potentially due to age or potentially due to the fact that he was in a desert environment. It was also a CGA character in real life. Right, exactly. So, yeah, just yeah, look at Chris. have bigger hat. Look at Christopher Lee as Dooku versus the Dooku in any of the Clone Wars. No similarity. Totally cartoonish. But I but I digest. Speaking of totally cartoonish, April and I went to the movies on Friday night. And it feels like it's been forever since we have because we're kind of in the dead zone first quarter of movies. But <laughs> I love moronic disaster films by uh, Roland Emmerich. Roland Emmerich. I'm going to I'm going to put myself out there. It's OK. Uh, I walked into this. I think I did a Facebook check in and I said, I'm ready for the dumb. Because I was. So, uh, plot of this film is that, uh, uh, you know, 
dozen or so years ago, Patrick Wilson, uh, well, a character played by Patrick Wilson, and some random dude and Halle Berry were on a NASA mission uh, fixing a satellite and some weird thing zipped by them that tore their ship, ship to shreds and they barely got home alive and the random guy died. And then you flash forward 10 years and uh, Halle Berry is director of NASA. Patrick Wilson is disgraced. He's, you know, practically living on the street. And whatever the hell it was uh, seems to be, you know, the, the moon is all of a sudden off its orbit. And you have the the one guy from Game of Thrones, heavyset guy with a beard whose name I can't re- character name I can't remember, Todd. He was Jon Snow's side man. Who was he? What was the character's name? Oh, uh... Oh, Jon Snow is in this? No, Jon Snow's side man, the heavyset guy with the beard. Oh, yes, yes. I'm blanking on it. Yes, yes. Yeah, good. It's not just me. But anyway, British actor and, and a lot of fun. He is a uh, he's a conspiracy theorist or a, a basically coming around and say, well, the moon is a Dyson sphere, which is hilarious because Katie will appreciate this. Dyson sphere was a plot line in an episode of Star Trek. When the one the one that Scotty came back, you know, the one I'm talking about. I'm getting I'm getting crickets here. Nobody's listening. Oh, sorry. I was I was muted because I had taken a drink. But yes, yes. <laughs> <laughs> I but yeah, Dyson sphere like a big you know planet yes. size. They said, well, yes. the the moon is a Dyson sphere. Um, but anyway, yeah, it's the moon is careening towards Earth. Its its orbits are getting tighter. It's causing tidal waves and explosions, and chunks of the moon are falling off, and everything's blowing up. And I'll give him credit. You didn't see the Statue of Liberty destroyed in this movie, which happens in every one of his disaster movies. So maybe that's growth. I don't know. Um, I, I won't reveal the big spoiler at the end uh, because there was kind of a fun sci-fi twist about what, what was going on with the moon and what the big, you know, basically MacGuffin smoke creature was. It was dumb as hell. Uh, there's no science in it that made uh, sense of any kind. Um it had to do with some aliens. There you go. There's your twist. And I was super entertained. And I did not fall asleep in this movie the way I have in like the last five movies that April and I went to go see. I guess I didn't, you know, I know for Scream, we went and, you know, ate at Hopcat beforehand and I had a couple of beers and I was, but no, this one, I was riveted. Oh my God. I was totally plugged in. I'm just kidding. It was, you know what? It's, it's a great popcorn flick. It, did, it wasn't even as poorly reviewed as I expected. I think it's pulling a, a C or maybe a C minus on <laughs> RT right now uh, and on Metacritic. But yeah, it was uh, ultimately very forgettable. But again, I enjoy his, you know, I enjoyed Independence Day. I enjoyed The Day After Tomorrow. I, I think he did 2012. I, I, I liked that movie. The one I'm with sure John he Cusack. did. I, the one with John Cusack. Absolute, you know, popcorn fluff. Um, and <laughs> I turned to April. This is embarrassing. I said, I, and of course, I'm saying it on the podcast, so it's not like I'm protecting myself. I said, I swear to God, when I was seeing these promos, I thought it was Game of Thrones guy, Patrick Wilson, and Selena Gomez for some reason. Selena Gomez and Halle Berry have zero similarities. I have no idea why I mixed the two of them up. Uh, maybe it was because we were watching that uh, Only Murderers in the Building on uh, on Hulu, or Hulu, I think it was. Maybe, maybe that's what got me mixed in. But anyway, case in point, absolute... Uh, tentpole dumb fun to use todd's favorite aphorism good stuff i i think the title explains this movie moonfall yes there you go that 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 
That is I'm what you need to know. You with the with the same thing that I told Todd, I'm excited. You're excited. I have oh, to see this movie. I'm excited. Wh- you're excited. What an absolutely generic thing to say. I appreciate it. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I honestly would have been more riveted if you saw Jackass because that movie will make me laugh. So, <laughs> and that was it was funny. I and then you're right. That was the other big release this week, and I posted yeah. I posted on on uh, in our socials uh, just recently. I said. Anytime I see the trailer for one of those, I'm fully satisfied that I don't need to watch two hours of this because I've watched two uh, two minutes and 34 seconds of it, and I am good. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Carly, you've embraced the dumb fun because that's I exactly did. what a lot of these movies I, are. I've, I've wrapped dumb my arms around it, fun. see? There you go. Wrap yes, my arms around exactly. it. I love it. Good stuff. All right. Well, that is it for the Geek Easy. Now it's time for us to traverse to the land down under where the mutants quake and the uh, dinosaurs. Whoa, 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 whoa. Breaking news, because my wife is, uh, my wife, because my voice is so loud that my, my wife, wife can, my, my wife can hear me in her office up the stairs. Uh, Samuel Tarley. It's the name of the character from ah, Game of Thrones. Yeah. Yes. Yes, there we go. Sam. Good old Sam. <laughs> there yes. you go. Yes. And I will say, thank you, honey. We appreciate it. <laughs> That will be an interesting edit point. Um, but yes, <laughs> that is it for the Geek Easy. And now we're going to traverse to our favorite location down under with the mutants and the Vegemite. And that's the Thunderdome. Welcome to another edition of Thunderdome! Thank you, Tina. We're sitting in the Thunderdome where the mutants have been gathered for a topic or a game to be entertained. This week, we're doing a new game and it's called Comic Pickapalooza. Because it's such a great title, I dubbed it myself. Um, I was going to say, Todd, you toss a palooza on the end of anything. How can you go wrong? It's a good time. It's Rock good time. solid. Rock solid. Like a, caval- like a cavalcade. It's, it's great. Um, yes. So uh, this one was pretty simple. We each grabbed, each were uh, chosen to grab a comic. They normally wouldn't from one of the streaming comic book services, streaming online comic book services you would have, Comixology, DC Universe Infinite, and MarvelUnlimited.com. So Charlie went with DC Universe Infinite. I went with Marvel Unlimited. And uh, Katie went with uh, Comixology with an original. So, uh, Charlie, I guess you're number one. So essentially, we're going to kick it off. We're going to kind of give you the story, but we're not going to do a recap because it's kind of, we don't want to give anything away. Just kind of like, what is the story about? We won't give any spoilers, and then we're kind of going to discuss it because we all read them, read all three. Yes, and I this was this was so all over the place that I don't know that I could give a great recap of it. But this is uh, this was a six issue limited series from uh, twenty nineteen called Flash Forward. It took, it took place in the wake of many one of the many crises. Oh, Heroes in Crisis. Um, yeah, I'll even just read the description right here. It makes life easy. His name is Wally West, and he was the fastest man alive. That is, until the multiverse was rewritten without him or his family in it. Womp, womp. Doesn't say that. Uh, Wally returned and tried to make it work, but the damage was done. Spinning out of the events of Heroes in Crisis, follow the man who called himself the Flash on an adventure to find redemption in a cosmos that has fought so hard to destroy him. Well, that's a crappy recap, so I'm going to spin on. Uh, yes, it kicks off. With the fact that you've you've got a, a hero who is imprisoned, he has nothing to live for. He's lost everything. Uh, when a uh, cosmic being who has, you know, what I it's terrible. The name is a play on words. Do you guys remember what it the is? Fugonaut. You're right. The Tempest Fugonaut. 
such a bad name. Which Tempest Fugit is that's is that Latin? It means something. It has meaning. Somebody, anybody? I'm Tor. I was going to say, Katie. Katie, you're the academic. Help us out here. Oh, I I don't know no Latin. (laughs) I don't know. I don't know no Latin. (laughs) Tempest Fugit means time flies. There you go. When you're when you're having fun, yeah. So anyway, he he does. He tasks uh, Flash to run about and uh, solve basically the dissolution of the mini the the miniverse the miniverse the multiverse. Uh, and again, I'm not recapping it, but that is what's going on with the story. So, what do we think, guys? Yeah. So just to did you guys know what the deal was? He basically in crisis. Heroes in crisis. He killed like eighteen heroes because he was right. Yeah, and they did. They they summarized that more than once in this. Yeah, and it was it was a renowned bad book. People did not like it. They thought it was just dumb. Yeah. If you didn't know that, you would know that every four pages. He told you. Yeah. By by the way, dude, I killed eighteen people. I killed eighteen people. He killed yeah. heroes, and so he's not worth anything because he killed heroes. It would be like that meme where you see one guy at the end of, t- of 20 urinals and some other guy walks in and stands right next to him and says, I'm actually a vegan. You know, it's that same thing. I actually killed 18 heroes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so, anyway, Todd, you are the you're, you you kind of assigned me picking something from from uh, D, DCUI, uh, as it were. Um, and I had no fami- I have very passing familiarity with the Flash. Uh, I know what he does. I know there's a bunch of them. I've watched the cartoons. I've obviously watched the the show over on the CW. Um, so you're the DC guy. I know you love Green Lantern. That's kind of your primary. Um, what what did you think of this? What, what, what was well, your vibe? I knew when I was trouble. When we were in trouble when we saw that. When I saw the creative team, Scott Lobdell um, and Brett Booth. Mm-hmm. This is like totally nineties. I mean, and that's not in a good way. Scott Lobdell was kind of in charge with the X Men after Chris, Chris Claremont walked away, and right. he did wow. not have a great era. He did not have a great era. Not a great writer. He did some really just really hackneyed kind of writing. Brett Booth is like a Jim Lee wannabe. He's not very good. And he just feels like he's aping Jim Lee's art. And this book did not do anything to make me think that they have changed a bit. This book was thick with just bad writing and bad takes. And they came up with that character's name, the Fuguenot, which was bad. And just the, the, just the, the narration and everything. And we're going off this planet one episode or this Earth, and it was not good. It so you picked a bad Flash run, and not enough going on at the same time. Yes, yes. I Honestly. just no clue. I had no clue of any of it. I I paused halfway through one of the books and literally asked out loud, "Is this supposed to be a comedy? Like, is this supposed to be funny?" Because was no. it the 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 oval office of solitude i think is what mr president superman calls it president superman president superman you know because wally west calls him mr president superman and then he goes president superman is fine (laughs) or please call me president superman supposed to be a satire on the 90s comics where everything was really overdone oh yeah this felt like uh it looks this felt like bad image bad marvel bad dc of the time i just thought i was missing i'm like this feels bad this feels it was bad bad. 
Yes. Yes. There's there's a great run by Flash by Scott Snyder did him. A few other writers did a fantastic runs in the 2000s where it really developed the the rogues gallery of characters the rogues which which were fantastic and and the flash is one of the better comics characters within dc uh mark wade wrote him for years and really reestablished character in a great way well i'm gonna put, i'm gonna put the i'm gonna put the onus of this back on the dci uh that they're not really saying that they're not really pushing forward kind of a curated aspect because if this is a this is a poorly reviewed poorly thought of run why did i find it so easily <laughs> you know why didn't because, they say why didn't i type series why didn't i type yeah mini series i mean I, I, the same I, way. it's recency and that's about it versus like the top i mean this would not be in the, the top critically you know curated well, titles that's what i'm talking about at least over at marvel unlimited they have you know curated stories and recommended popular runs and recommended this and that and i didn't really i guess i don't find the DC Infinite um, app to be as user friendly or to be as as guided. It's uh, not good. Yeah, I had to download all of the app or all of the comics before they would load for me. Yeah, I it's know. yeah, it's bad. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, it's yeah, it's, I, it's I, bad. I, it doesn't it doesn't really stream the way that that Marvel see, Unlimited I, I, does. I have the exact yeah. opposite. Marvel Unlimited. I had it was just I had to restart the app several times. Nothing would load. I had to download. So I think it's it's like it's user. Uh, it's, it depends on who's using it, really, because, yeah, I, I well, the DC Universe was very snappy and came up. Marvel Universe didn't. And, Comicology and, worked really good for me. Right. So you, best, you remember I was having issues getting into the DC Infinite app on one mm. of my iPads, but it worked on my on my on my my personal iPad, but it worked on my on my work iPad. And then I went back later and it worked on my personal. So it's just it, it was a weird overall experience. And I guess perhaps my familiarity with the with Marvel Unlimited kind of kind of colors that i'm not sure well, but, but for five years and and you've only used this app a handful of times so yeah you'll get used to the app well, I, I, I understand but but more to the point you know i obviously picked a stinker with, with, without you know i didn't with, without having any kind of curated view so and i blame I, you know long story short i blame the system there we go <laughs> blame the system system yeah, I would not recommend this to anyone if they want to check out the Flash. It was a mini series too. It was a mini series too, so that was kind of a, a right buyer beware on a lot of those because mini series typically go too long, too right. short, and the way this wrapped up at the last issue right. is like, ugh. yeah. And again, as I so dub it, Flash, a man in his chair. Thank you very much. Spoiled it. Uh, if anybody knows anything about the Mobius chair, that would be totally confusing and what it means and and Metreon and, and all those things. It's just like that's yeah, just, and, 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 I, and I got lucky because you and I did a Justice League uh, uh, run four or five years ago, Todd, that that taught me what the Mobius chair was because Batman sat in it and it was like a big whatever and it was very memorable. And then this was like, okay, what the – you're right to, to 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 the layman, and again, all the crossing over the different Earths and the Earthful of vampires and blah blah blah. Uh, it just it, it was it was not very accessible. So yeah, kind of a bummer. Rum, blame the system. End of story. Any last <laughs> words, Kitty? I was going to say just on like the the Mobius chair. I have jumped into many Marvel comics because I don't know these characters usually outside of like the animated adventure. So like I know Wally West from like. Justice League and that sort of thing. And I love him. I think he's great. He's absolutely adorable. But I feel like Marvel does a better job just randomly introducing characters and being like, this is why you should care about them. Boom, done. We gave you all you need to know. 
but there's something that's like really long in the tooth, but also really superficial with the way that DC introduces stuff to readers because like they introduced Wally West every single issue at the beginning of the issue, you'd get the, I, hi, I'm Wally West. I'm, you know, the fastest man in the multiverse. I've been tasked with this thing, but then there was never really like these really random things would be like really long in the tooth. And so I was just like, cool. He's got a chair. I guess this chair is like, the key of knowledge and now he's sitting yeah. in it. Why do I care? <laughs> and I guess that's Yeah, this yeah, like I said, like I said, this was this was uh, just a bad comic. This is just like mm-hmm. in these happen all the time. There's, you know, it, it, everybody is open to a bad story and I think this is where this is setting up to be honest, <clears throat> setting up a new status quo for Wally West because he has to be redeemed. And the only way you could do it is basically make him someone that's detached from humanity and that's where they have him as in the Mobius chair kind of the as you said, he kind of, it's, it's a new identity, but handled poorly mm-hmm. by far. Mm-hmm. Like I said, mm-hmm. I, I, <clears throat> comics, if you like a creator, I would say always go with the creator. If you don't like a creator, they're not going to be better because of the property. I just right. think that's the way it works. So, yeah, just, it's, just, yeah, yeah. it's going gonna, it's gonna to be same, same shit, different day, so to speak. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. So I'll go with mine next. So this is Daredevil, uh, the most current run, uh, Chip Zdarsky, Marco Chiquetto. Like Geppetto, um, right? He's a real boy. Yeah. So this was issues twenty-eight to thirty-four, and I don't know if this artist was on all of the issues or not. Can't remember. I actually read to thirty-five just because the issue was there, and I wanted to continue reading the storyline. Um, this is essentially a unique take on Daredevil, where Elektra is taking over the mantle of Daredevil and Hell's Kitchen, and Matt Murdock has surrendered himself to be in prison to essentially atone for his sins as he did. He says he broke the law, so he has to pay for his sins. And that is basically where Electra is now raising a kid that apparently uh, was abandoned. And she's trying to mentor this child. We've got a thing storyline with the Kingpin, who is now the mayor who is basically right. bending the laws. Then you've got uh, this woman that has taken over as the Kingpin of crime. Right. <laughs> This is where it gets weird. Then you got Kingpin's illegitimate child who's behind the scenes trying to influence the new Kingpin of crime. You've got a Matt Murdock has a brother named Mike who's impersonating Matt Murdock. Yeah. <laughs> uh, there was a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot of weird shit going yeah. on. I, and then I you agree. got Typhoid Mary showing up, who we just refer to as Mary, but it's truly Typhoid Mary. <laughs> And then, yeah, there's a lot of things. It's like uh, part of it is like Oz with him in jail right. and Daredevil. And, and you know, at that point, that's kind of where it goes. And that's where the fifth, the 35th issue, I would say, I feel like finally wrapped up the story. So 34 didn't really finish it. 35 probably did. So if you wanted to read the whole story, go with right. that. So we'll go with you, Charlie. What did you think of the book? I think we could have benefited from you not putting us through like eight issues of this instead of five. <laughs> because, I, I mean... I, I say that somewhat tongue in cheek because it was, you know, it was. I think it was two parts plus five parts, wasn't it? Or three parts plus five. No, it was parts? one storyline. No, it was one. No, story but it was. Line. But it was parts. It was like a part one through five, and then it was a part one and two that preceded it. Just go back and check. Um, where where Katie, Katie and I kind of kept ourselves stuck to one arc, which mine was terrible and hers was amazing, which we'll talk about in a minute. Um, I, I had the benefit of, of at least knowing obviously what's going on with the Kingpin, uh, because that's very reflective on what happens in Spider-Man. Uh, and Spider-Man made several appearances and uh, several appearances in this. And actually some that were kind of significant, which I liked. Mm-hmm. I thought this was great, you know, and again, it really, 
really feel feels like it drew inspiration from the Netflix MCU uh, kind of indestructible Daredevil because he's getting stabbed and getting his ass kicked and whatever it is, and uh, but he's wearing he's wearing that mask the whole time, which when Matt Murdock, Charlie Cox, in you know that that first season, as Todd's smiling because he hated Daredevil so much, he hated the MCU no, stuff. <laughs> I, I like the first season. Other seasons felt so derivative and just more of the same. Like, yeah, we can see where he's going, which is the same storyline over and right. over again. Yeah, right. So um, I, I liked that, and again because I enjoyed that series, and I actually watched the whole thing. Uh, Todd, did you watch all of Daredevil? Tell the truth. No, because we got to season three. And I'm like, we're repeating the same storyline again. Right. I'm like, oh, it's a, the Kingpin's back again. Oh, great. I hear you. But um, I, I like that. I, I like that part of it. I like kind of seeing him, you know, uh, return as uh, as the kind of the Charlie Cox like character. Took me a minute to figure out who Mary was. Mary was Typhoid Mary, which they finally get around to saying. Um, Electra is Daredevil. That was that was pretty sweet. She really she was really killing it. Also took me a minute to figure out that her size. That she had, we're, at least in part of it, was blunted. Like yeah, like his Billy Club, yeah. <clears throat> Though I think in the end, for that final battle, when she's fighting all those different bullseye clones, which again, clones, worked out so great for Spider-Man, um, mm-hmm. that she just decided to, to kind of go balls to the wall with that. But I really liked this. I, it, it was it was, it was was grim and gritty, um, which, you know, Spider-Man has been really grim and gritty too. But Chip Zdarsky is modern day Marvel royalty. Things that he oh. does are are absolutely spectacular. Todd says, mm, "Are you disagreeing? You're agreeing? You're disagreeing?" Well, I want to hear what Katie thinks first, and I'll give my. <laughs> oh, oh, there you go. I read this one before I read Flash, and I thought it was absolutely, or I guess I should say, kind of ironic because getting off of Flash and again being introduced, I've never read a Daredevil comic. The only thing I know from Daredevil is like the movies which we're not going to talk about. And then um, the the TV series. And again, Todd, I would totally agree. The first season was mm, chef's kiss. Mm, um, amazing. And then the last two seasons were like, eh, I guess it's okay. But you saw all of these characters that I did not know or knew very little about. A lot of crazy stuff was going on. And I had really no issue following it. And even to the point where like you had these side-by-sides of daredevils in jail and it felt totally okay, totally natural. And I was like, yeah, he's working through some stuff. This is great. And then in Flash, you had him in jail, and it just felt so melodramatic the entire time. Because he's like, mm-hmm. no, I have killed people. I must be. <laughs> I must atone. I must atone. And so I thought it was absolutely fantastic. I honestly really want to just keep reading it. I want there to be more stuff. I'm really excited for it to keep going. And I think... Again, I can't say enough good stuff about it. I thought it was a really good, a really great introduction to Daredevil, even though there was a bunch of random stuff that was going on that I had no idea about. But I was like, you know what? This is great. I'm sure it'll be explained later. I'll figure it out. Like, I didn't know Matt had a twin brother. No, I, I didn't know that either. In the whole Todd, I totally somehow missed that the that the guy that was trying to manipulate the new Lady Kingpin was Kingpin's son. I somehow I missed that. Yep. Half half yep. son. No, I, I think full son, like that's illegitimate that's son, I think, or unknown I, son. I don't know that you can. I don't know that you can have a half son. You can have half. You can have a half sibling. You can have a half son. Yeah, your 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 wife's your wife's kid or your ex wife's kid. Or well, that's a, like that. yeah. that's a that's a that's a that's a. Most people say step kid. Uh, if, if you, you don't, you don't. I don't. I don't think you can give term, half kid. Yeah, I don't know. You can give half of your DNA to create a child, but I don't know. I don't know. You know, genetics are weird. That's every no child. Idea. Every child has half your DNA in <laughs> your life. <laughs> a quarter, a quarter, a quarter of your yes. DNA. There you go. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. So 
I'm going to disagree. And I thought this was a horrible plot. I mean, I understood what they were going. There are just so many dumb plot points. Bullseye clone, Matt Murdock trying to do Oz where there's a drug that's making people and like, like half baked. It just did not. And Daredevil was one note in this. I just felt like I didn't care about Daredevil at all. He just was, it was just like you said, dramatic and just like, oh, then we got electric kind of just being one note as well. Kind of like I'm hard and I'm hard and I'm hard. And a little bit of moment about her, what she's teaching here. And then she just goes back to being electric again. Oh, I'm not going to do it Matt's way. I'm going to do it my way and kill people. I'm like, I wanted more nuanced writing and Zdarsky might be great, but I kind of felt like this felt like a soap opera and everybody was acting in a soap opera. That's why I wanted, that's why I wanted to read the end of it. Say like, where's this going? Like then Kingpin, Mary, I guess I'll marry you. This is not a good comic either. I didn't feel this was, was good. Uh, The tacked on uh, teenage kid was like, oh, it was was very hackneyed. And and again, without any context, we don't know why she was there, what the hell was going on. Yeah. Well, it was no. And that was the weird part. We got the the new kingpin of crime. Her son that we talked about all the time. Oh, he just disappeared. Like, I, I do feel like they could have done more with that story or just taken that story out because that part felt very, yeah. very tertiary yeah. to the entire yeah. thing. Yeah. I mean, th- I think, I don't know, Zdarsky maybe tells different types of stories. I think a different writer would have handled this significantly di- different <clears throat> and gave it certain plot points more weight and handled the characterization of Daredevil different and Electric different. But I didn't feel like any character had any character growth. I'm like, yeah, Electro's back at it. <laughs> I don't know. I just, I, I just read. I don't know. It just wasn't for me. Daredevil has so many good runs too, um, acclaimed runs um, that are so fantastic. One of my favorite ones is about the origin of Daredevil as a kid by Frank Miller. It's really good with John Romita Jr. So good. Like I said, this one just felt like some people were trying to cop better runs from Daredevil in the past. So sorry. It was- Copped. Well, we didn't, but you know, to each their own. But uh, moving on to what Katie picked, damn, rep, rep to us. All right. Well, um, I'm just going to read this quick little thing. It says a sci fi mystery thrill ride into a strange dystopian future where a neurological internet connection is transforming reality. <coughs> so this was done by Scott Snyder. Um, I grabbed it just because I know the name Scott, Scott Snyder. Uh, I believe he wrote some of the Court of Owls. If I'm remembering yes. correctly. He did. Oh, God. The, but literally that's the only the, thing that I really knew him li- from, and I enjoyed The Court of Owls, so I was like, I know he's a big name. I'll see yeah. what's going on. It's, Best Batman know, I ever read, for sure. Yeah. Mm. From the visuals, it looked very cyberpunk, so I'm a fan of cyberpunk, if you can't tell, by my neon green and blue mohawk. Um, <laughs> totally. But, you know, uh, Charlie, you might be really disappointed. I did not like this at all. No kidding! No kidding. I did not. I feel like it was much more akin to Flash Forward where it felt like there was just too much going on and Mm. it was all over the place. I really, you, this didn't need to be a comic. He was monologuing the entire time. This felt like it was a noir with a cyberpunk overlay of color. Mm. Which is ironic because that's, that's what's going on in the story. Everybody's living through this, this veil of like, I, I I see my AI or I see my artificial, what am I, what's the word I'm looking for? My VR. The the world is VR. Or an AR, I guess it's an augmented overlay. It's a a reality overlay. Yeah. Yeah. Essentially people are always connected to the internet. There's this quote unquote veil that you can get that are basically like, um, little uploads that you can have done to yourself so everything can look like a cartoon or it can look like a 1950s sitcom or it can look like a fantasy world and he sees clearly which is why it's called clear 
Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they immediately fridge his ex-wife so that he has motivation to dig into deeper into this thing. Um, then you find out later, like his his kid died, had died, and so that's why they ended up getting a divorce. And it just it felt like I had like a lot of tropes wrapped into a neon coating, is how I was kind of feeling yeah. it. And again, it just felt like the writing was very, very forced in a lot of times. And I didn't really, I couldn't really care about the character. Like it was all of this time. It was just like, kind of like how Flash was. I was like, did you know that I killed 18 people? It was, did you know I'm dark and broody? Guess what? I'm still dark and broody. I am so moody right now. You mean right next to the other guy at the urinal? Is that what you're saying? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Pretty much. Being like, hey, guess what? I'm a tortured soul. Right. Oh, he's trying to put too much. I Batman think that's there. a common theme between all these comics. It's like people, right. all these Every- people are like just so like, oh, I was assassin. This is how I had to be raised, and oh, right. I'm Daredevil. I must atone for my sins. Yes, everybody's yes. very burdened by guilt. Yeah, we we did we did pick a, a, the kind of the sad sack trio. Todd, there's your name for the episode: sad sack trio. <laughs> Write it down. Yes. Sad sack trio. It was, yeah, I the point. Now you're making me feel bad for saying anything about well, it. And I, I thought, definitely see how you could enjoy it, but I went into it. If I would have if it would have been pitched as a noir book, I might have been mm. more inclined for it. But as it being pitched as a cyberpunk book, I was expecting oh, like, I understand. You know, okay. the I was sure, thinking right. that we were going to get the story of like his ex wife who had been disillusioned by the government program that she worked and for. She was, and was she was part of the counterculture. Side. Yeah, like yeah. actual cyberpunk themes of anti-capitalism, right. anti-tyranny, you know, tyranny, fascism. And we got a basically a PI who was, I don't know, trying to figure out what happened with his kid or right. there was just a lot of really random stuff that... I mean, it was, it was... I even put this in our chat when we were talking. It was 100%. The movie was it reminiscence or remembrance with Hugh Jackman yeah, well, came it, out it last had, fall. It had a lot of notes. I mean, in the movie. it had it felt beat for beat. And again, I kind of snoozed my way through that movie. It didn't really blow me away because again, it was it was Tropeville, USA. You know, it was the same thing. See, so I, I, like, I like that movie because it was the future, but with a noir lens, and it was like a, a mystery, yeah. and you didn't know where it was going to go. Uh, yeah, this one definitely. It was the character's name was Sam. So I thought of Sam Spade. Maybe he was taking right. that lens there. And to your point, mm-hmm. Katie, and and I mean, ultimately, you got to this point where uh, what the, what the the Deus Machina was was essentially smaller stakes than anything else. Mm-hmm. And that was kind of where I kind of troubled myself with that technology, the AR overlay. Um, so it's not exactly a completely disillusionment because it was supposed to be like there would be overlays over the world, but I don't think that would be enough, right? I, I don't know if that would be enough to really take people out of the way are, but I mean, yeah. So sorry to cut anybody off that was going to, but I, there's some things I'm like, okay, yeah. Yeah. And I think, you know, to that point, Todd, of him, there was this, it felt very much like a 90s, like a, an old, like a guy who had just heard about the internet in the 90s and like a lot of the stuff I had heard of, you know, oh, well, there's a line where he's talking about how like there might be flooding in the East and there's probably another war in the South, but nobody cares because they just have AR. Like they've just got the veil. And I'm like, have you seen what's been going on on the internet? Like we had international protests going yeah. on. Mm-hmm. Like, it's like ready player one more, the more right. so like, right. Yeah. Right. Where it just felt like it was a very like, I don't, I don't want to like almost juvenile idea of what would happen if people were connected where 
like we can we can unplug we can get away from all of this news and people are actively seeking it out to try to make the world a better place but because he just had this disillusioned idea and so that part i was just i I always have a little bit of trouble with that now that we've actually seen what this connectivity can do Mm -hmm. yeah Yeah. connectivity to disconnect exactly Mm -hmm. yeah Yeah. which is what which is what i felt about that that hugh jackman movie and i'm just like "Mm, well see i like that movie because it was more about reminiscing about past bringing memories forward and people that Mm -hmm. couldn't move forward because they were so traumatized because the world sucked they were just thinking about all the memories of the past this is more about people kind of trying to create a better looking world and didn't want to get out of that mode so i i get it on both sides this was like a murder mystery in a lot of sense, but yeah, it was a little ham fisted at times. Uh, mm-hmm. I do like Scott Snyder as a writer, but yeah, this one was, was entertaining, but I mean, yeah, it wasn't cyberpunk. Uh, I liked the art. Um, I did find an interesting point where they talked about how they got where they are. And it was interesting because they were talking about one day, China attacked, Russia attacked, North Korea attacked. I'm like, Hmm. Yep. Yeah, considering what's yep. going on in the Ukraine right now, yeah, plan with North Korea. Yeah, I was That's, trying to yeah. figure out how Russia just got to Poland with just going through Belarus and Ukraine. I was like, did did they already have them? Did like they just were like Russia invaded Poland? <laughs> it's like we're just gonna yeah. go over the fact that there's two countries between they, them. They, yep. they, they 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 took a nonstop flight. Apparently. It was no big deal. <laughs> yeah, that was kind of an interesting note. But yeah, I mean, I, I didn't think it was the worst thing, but um, it was a little ham fisted at times. And um, I would say I liked Reminiscence more just because of the. I agree. Had yeah. a more style to it. This one was trying to be right. trying too hard to be a couple of different things. I, I would yeah. say uh, if you want to check one that's a little bit more interesting, check out Tokyo. I think it's called Tokyo Ghost. That's okay. kind of a cool that book. Sounds, that sounds familiar. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Gotcha. Well, this uh, experiment was uh, apparently a huge failure for all of us. No, <laughs> it was good. <laughs> I know, but we, like I said, the sad, like I said, write it down, Sad Sack Trio. That is the name of, uh, if that's not the name of this episode, I will file an official protest with. I think the uh, next time we just need to pick uh, issues or a series that we know the other two people haven't read. Right. That's like. a good point. Or yeah, we, that's a good one. Or we could, we could at least read some reviews. I don't know because may- maybe that'll scare us off of like no, something that's terrible. No, okay, no, no, no. Okay, okay. Something, something that we enjoy that we right. want to share with others that they have not read. Oh, that's different. Okay, so I can say, hey, I loved, you know, the Star Trek Mirror Universe, blah blah blah, and I sure. can say, mm-hmm. enjoy it. Yeah. No, okay. No, no, no. Really old Marvel comics, Charlie. How about that? Ah, I will not accept the caveat. On one of the subscription things. Oh, of course. Oh, yeah. Hey, if it's not, I don't have comics anymore. I have just a handful of physical comics that I own. I, I gave it up altogether uh, last year. So yeah. Now I have to have pick to be... one of the weird indie ones that I'm going to make you guys read. Oh, I'm all for it. I like it. Well, we should do this again. This seems like something we could like toss out like quarterly. You know what I mean? I think sure. that'd be kind of cool. So we could we could give this a shot again, like in the springtime. That'd be pretty cool. Absolutely, positive. Good deal. All righty. Well, uh, Todd, that is it. We are giving it the riggedy wrap, unless I miss something. No, well, that is it, and we are ready to uh, say our goodbyes. Well, depart, well, friends. Thank you as always for joining us. I'm going to tell you that sharing is caring. Keep on trucking. Keep it sleazy. <laughs> be the hero, not the villain. In the truck. Flash forward or flash back. 
This podcast is part of the Secret Friends Unite podcasting network. Visit secretfriendsunite.com for more great shows, articles, news, reviews, and more. Secret Friends Unite podcasts are available on Apple, Google, Spotify, and other podcast services around the world. If you'd like to be part of the conversation, you can join us on Facebook or our new Discord server, or follow at Secret Friends U on Twitter. Please subscribe to Secret Friends Unite on YouTube and visit our merch store at tpublic.com. Just search Secret Friends Unite. Thanks for listening.